Welcome to the Giving Voice to Depression podcast. We're your co-hosts, Bridget and Terry. Each week, we explore a different perspective on or experience of depression because it varies in form and severity, affecting us differently. Our guests share intimate details of their struggles, coping strategies, and recovery. We keep it real because the struggle is real. We keep it hopeful because there is hope in spite of what depression tells you. We're not experts or therapists. We're sisters and best friends who live with depression and know that talking about the illness reduces stigma and humanizes the experience, making it safer and easier to ask for needed support. You are far from alone. Hello, Bridget. Hi, Terry. One of the central reasons to share our stories is to stimulate needed discussions about mental health and especially the facts that depression is a common and treatable illness, that recovery is possible, and that while our experiences are unique, there are many similarities that allow us to learn from and teach one another. But if, like today's guest, you're kind of nervous to talk about your mental health challenges, where do you start? How do you start? Well, one way we've learned is to bring up an article, TV show, podcast, whatever, that addresses the topic. You can often gauge pretty quickly from a person's reception whether or not they are someone you can safely have the discussion with. Yeah. Tara, a mother of two teens, has always been embarrassed by her depression. She says she experiences guilt and disappointment about the fact that she can't do what she calls super moms can do. Yet when she listened to artist Jeff Byers' story in the last two episodes, she heard something that resonated and she thought something new as a result of hearing someone share their story. And now she's sharing hers, embodying the chain reaction that normalizing a topic allows. So here is Tara giving her voice to depression. And that's something I, I wanted to bring up. Um, your recent guest is Jeff, his name? Yeah, the artist. The artist, yes. Yeah. I was listening to it, and he said something that I really feel needs to be repeated. And it's not that I feel he didn't do a good job, because he did. Mm-hmm. And it was one of those moments where I was like, oh, yes, this, this needs to be said. And he said... Um, that it's very hard to tell somebody that you need help or that you need somebody to sit with you because you may feel that you're being a burden to them, that you're taking up their time, that you don't want to bother them. They have things going on of their own. They won't get it. Um, I, I think it's so important to know that it's okay to ask for help. Um, There are people who may not have an idea of how to help you, but if you just said, you know what, it's okay if you don't understand what I'm going through right now, I just need you to sit with me. You don't have to talk to me. You don't have to understand. I just need somebody to sit here and be present with me. And of course, that comforting presence works in both directions. I've said that to friends who are going through a tough time. And I said, I I know that what you're feeling is real because I can tell, you know, based on the look on your face, based on the things you said, based on 
the fact that I really haven't seen you lately and normally, you know, I, I will connect with you, you are going through something. I may not understand what it is, but it's real. And if you need me to just sit with you and listen or just sit with you and sit with you, you know, I'm available to do that. And I really think it's important as somebody with depression to not be afraid to ask a friend to do that, but also as a friend of somebody to say, I'm that person. I'm available to you. Those are magic words, aren't they? Who wouldn't want to hear, I may not understand, but I'm available to you. It's not surprising it's Tara who came up with them. She's had a lot of time to think about the kind of support she wants and needs. Her battle for mental health has been lifelong. My first symptoms were actually panic attacks. And I know that depression and anxiety can go hand in hand. Um, It's just very common. And this was um, when I was four. But there wasn't a name for it back then. My parents actually thought that I was um, having seizures because I would disassociate and and zone out because I was, you know, really dealing with something. Um, And it tended to pop up when something really big happened, something traumatic or something really stressful happened. For anyone thinking, what does a four-year-old know about trauma or stress? Here's a powerful reminder that you just never know what someone else is dealing with. I was actually a victim of a drunk driving accident. It was a a T intersection. It was a major highway and then this road that intersected it and there was a stop sign. This individual did not stop. And it's still one of the most deadly accidents in in this state. Um, And I, I won't get too graphic, but there were a few casualties, to put it mildly. And I can remember, um, again, when I was four, this is one of the first memories I have, is our vehicle catching on fire when we were in the vehicle. It was graphic, and I can remember people who did lose their lives and what that looked like at four. So it's no wonder that, you know, I, I was having panic attacks and probably some PTSD because I couldn't talk about it for years. It would be a full decade before Tara's anxiety and panic attacks would be named, and it wouldn't come from a doctor or therapist. There was an evening, I can remember this very vividly, that I was on the couch with my mom, and we, for some reason, were watching an infomercial. We never did that. And it was about these tapes you could buy to talk about panic attacks and how to deal with them. And they were describing the symptoms. And I said, oh my God, mom, this is what I have. There was finally a a word for it, a name for what I was dealing with. You know, I had even gone to several doctors who had diagnosed me with sinus infections, migraines. And that's one of the things with mental health at all is it's, it's so difficult to diagnose and pinpoint what's going on sometimes because it's physical, it's biological, it's chemical, it's situational. Tara's relief was dramatic and instant. 
you know, at 14, I literally crawled into my mom's lap and sobbed and she got it. Relief? Yes. Because, you know, to kind of not joke, I thought I was crazy. You know, I was a hypochondriac, but this was a real thing. And they were naming the symptoms that I had, you know, and I said, this is what I've been trying to explain since I was four. And instantly I started seeing somebody to talk about it and I was putting on, put on medication and it made such a difference. Mm -hmm. But at that same time, I started dealing with depression because again, they can go hand in hand. Um, so that really kicked in when I got to college. Tara says she was unable to go to classes and was eventually asked to leave the university. That didn't help the depression either because my plans and my purpose were gone. What am I going to do now? So, you know... So were you just in bed? Yeah, I would sleep all day. My my roommate would come in and be like, again, you know, what what is with you? She couldn't study in our room because I'd be sleeping all day. It was really scary and it was humiliating because I knew that everybody in my dorm was talking about it. You know, the girl who doesn't go to class. Now in her 40s, Tara says the past few years have been really tough, too. She's lost her grandmother, mother-in-law, and mother, all of whom she was very close to. As somebody who doesn't deal with death well at all, I've had the anxiety. But the depression comes when I least expect it. You know, anybody who, would, who goes through loss experiences grief and things differently. But I've really been in it. I have struggled to, to get up in the morning. Tara says that struggle has affected every aspect of her life, from her self-worth to her family, friendships, and employment. Because of my depression and because I cannot function on a full-time, everyday basis, I can't hold down a full-time job. I've tried. And there's only so much family leave. And there's only so much leeway and absences you're allowed to take. And there's only so many days an employer can be understanding about why you're not there. And I don't fault them for that. I'm lucky that I now have a part-time job that I can do at home. And I'm allowed to have bad days. And not everybody has that, so I feel really, really fortunate. But those bad days can be really bad. And I keep questioning, why is this happening? Why does anybody have to feel this bad? You know, I'll be in the shower sobbing my eyes out on my knees, just, you know, screaming and saying, why is this happening? But just like an addiction, I have to take it minute by minute sometimes. And I have to ride it like a wave. Keeping her struggles a secret in college was one thing, but as a wife and mother, a certain level of disclosure became necessary. There came a time when they realized I was sleeping a lot. I was not being present with them. I tried to go to every school event and function, but there came a time when I just it was not possible for me to do that. And I began apologizing and feeling so guilty. I had to eventually explain that this is what our family is like because I have depression. 
you may not understand it because it's hard to explain that, but the way I feel is sad and sometimes angry, but mostly really tired all the time. It's like having a bad day, a bad day every day. Yeah, I feel really bad about that because I want to spend time with you. This is not a choice I make, but they get it. They encourage me to live with it, to survive it. And I told them I was coming here today and they're like, mom, I'm so proud of you. My, my daughter said it best. She said, you're going to go tell your truth. Go tell your truth and don't feel guilty or embarrassed because you choose every day to be here. That's really hard, mom. Tara says she's alive today because of the right combination of medication, a brilliant therapist and a great psychiatrist, all working together to help her feel normal. Well, I've realized that my definition of normal is different from everybody else's, but I think everybody's definition of normal is different from everybody else's. There is no normal at all. You know, it's, it's, your normal is a good day functioning. What, what can I accomplish today? That's my normal for me. And for me, that looks like I'm going to have bumps in the road. Maybe the house isn't going to look great. Um, I took a shower today. I'm not in my pajamas. And I actually cooked several meals this week. All right. You know? And I... That's normal. And, and those days where I'm functioning and running errands and getting things done, I feel like a million dollars. Like, I'm accomplishing something. And I'm more than normal and okay today. I love that her daughter said, you choose every day to be here. And that's really hard, Mom. I love it. I love that kind of love and support. And, you know, Tara, thank you so much for boiling it down for us. It's okay to ask for help and tell your truth. Yeah, those are two really key things to recovery. Tara also pointed out how common anxiety and depression are, I don't know if you say bedfellows or, you know, whatever, that they occur at the same time. And so one of the things we're going to look at next week is a technique that can be used, you know, in the privacy of your own space uh, to reduce your stress. And it can be really effective for people. So we're excited to uh, talk about that. Mm-hmm. And it's the first of hopefully several different tools or techniques that we're going to share that people have found to offer a little bit of hope. Mm-hmm. A little bit of relief. Thank you for sharing your story, Tara. Uh, Thank you for listening, everybody. And Bridget, thank you, as always, for uh, adding your wisdom and lovely voice. I love you. Love you too, sweetie. We truly hope that our podcast brings a little more understanding, helps you better articulate your experience of depression, or better understand how to support someone else's. We invite you to join us for daily posts on the Giving Voice to Depression Facebook page and on Twitter and Instagram at Voice Depression. It is a comfort to be among fellow travelers on Depression's Dark Road. And remember, if you're struggling, speak up. If someone else is, listen up.